This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold sets up. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howell. Let's not waste any time and get right into it. Before I bring in the rest of the team, however you're listening, wherever you're listening, we just thank you so much for supporting what we do at Longhorn Blitz. Don't forget, you can get this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Just search Horns 24-7. Click that follow button to get every episode of the flagship state of recruiting and Longhorn Blitz. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. And don't forget to get over to Horns 24-7. For the latest and greatest in Longhorn team news, recruiting nuggets, a whole deal. We've got it all for you at Horns 24-7. All right, with that, let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz, and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. How about you? Other than the fact that you can hang meat in the studio that we're recording hey, in right now. It's, it's freezing <laughs> up in here. Yeah, now that I sit, sit down, it's freezing. Yeah. Like Fingertips. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, I'm good. Uh, the man who uh, is going to have numb fingers and toes by the time we're done with the show today. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres, where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes back in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program. Number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Rod, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, man. Doing great. Uh, I'm with you. It's a little nippy up in here. A little nippy. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. But the show must go on. And it will go on. Uh, I wanted to – here's what I want to do with the next few shows uh, leading up to spring ball. So this week we've got National Signing Day. It's a one-man deal for Texas. Devon Campbell, the five-star offensive lineman out of Arlington Bowie, is going to make his decision on Wednesday at 4 o'clock. That's pretty much it for Texas. I don't even know, guys, if we're going to have a signing day press conference. I haven't heard that one is scheduled. I know Sark, like today as we're sitting here recording this, Sark is in Mobile right now at the Senior Bowl. So Sark is not even in town. Not that that I don't know why I'm making such a big deal out of that. Okay. Not that that would impede progress. Yeah. Air travel can take care of a lot of that. But I don't know if he's planning on staying in Mobile for a few days if he's just there today. So uh, if you're waiting to hear from the head coach, might be waiting a little bit longer. Maybe you'll get it on Wednesday. Uh, but as we start this march towards spring practice, uh, we've taken a look back at 2021, but I kind of wanted to take stock of a few position groups. Okay. And I figured just today, uh, we'll just look at the quarterback position. And <sighs> there's a lot of different ways we can start, but I'll start with this. Rod, this suggestion was said to me last week by somebody that I trust and respect. Okay. And the implication was Sark needs Quinn Ewers to come in and play and play really well right away for for his tenure to have a chance to work. And I started thinking about that, and I was like, well, I was like, part of me thinks that's a little short-sighted, but part of me thinks given the fact that he's so hyped, everybody knows he's a generational talent at the position, it probably does, but I don't know. I, there's a lot of layers to it because as we look back at 2021, man, I don't think quarterback was the reason why Texas went 5-7. and seven. 
Mm. Yeah, it was interesting. The position could yeah. stand to be upgraded, but I didn't think it was terrible. It can, but here's the thing about quarterback, and you can see it on every level. If you do have a high-level, high-performing quarterback, especially one that's transcendent, it can cover up a lot of flaws. True. So I may, you know, uh, I may side with you that I don't know if Texas quarterbacks were the reason they were losing all those games, but you definitely win more games if your quarterback play is at a higher level right. because we all know all the different you know uh, deficiencies and all the the bad coaching decisions, all the the human error that kicks in throughout a football game can all be covered up with Joe freaking Burrow, mm-hmm. right? The mo- Joe, Joe Burrow's been sacked fifty one times, and I. I think that number's the regular season number. I don't know if that actually yeah. counts in the postseason, which no, the he, nine that he, he was got the sacked. first yeah, the first quarterback since Lynn Dawson to be sacked nine times in a game and still win in the postseason. But he'll 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 be the most sacked quarterback in Super Bowl history. No quarterback has been sacked more than Joe Burrow and played in a Super Bowl. But he covers up a lot of flaws. Yeah. That, that a lot of flaws they a have. Flaw. It's just yeah, it's just because his talent. So because he's a high level, high performing quarterback, he's right. got that it quality. We all see it. He oozes it. Right. His Damn kickers over there talking trash. Mm-hmm. His kickers now talking about yeah, he's got like a he's nickname a and everything now. Like that's that's swagger. That's what Vy did for the 05 Texas. That's what your quarterback can do. So I think I'm I'm with you. I don't know if I'd blame quarterback wholeheartedly and put all the blame on the quarterback position as to why Texas underperformed. But definitely, if you got an elite one, if you got a you know a high high level achieving quarterback. Oh man, it can it can cover up so many flaws, and it can lead you to the promised land. And you really don't have to have a perfect, well balanced model for yeah. it. It's just that greatness. We saw that in two thousand nine with Colt McCoy at Texas being yeah. able to cover Amen. up, a, you know, mm-hmm. Amen, be under bro. pressure. But the same idea that you're talking about there with Joe Burrow in the different range of outcomes that you have with each different quarterback, but even mm-hmm. within the universe of Casey Thompson's performance. Look at him pre-thumb injury to post-thumb injury. If you look at just the Oklahoma game and the couple weeks prior when the Texas offense was contending to be one of the top, I mean, you could compare it to any other, you know, conference or offense in the nation, but it was easily just limited. If you look at that second half of the Oklahoma game on, it looked like a different offense because you didn't have the ability to do everything within itself. Yeah. So you could just see totally it within agree. his own inf- his own performance. Yeah, no, that's a great point, too, about Casey. And the injury came in the Oklahoma game, did it not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it happened at the end <laughs> so of the So it was a microcosm half. of the, <laughs> right, the difference, the disparity between high-level achieving quarterback yeah. and then one who's just above average or average or yeah. below, right below average. Because you look at the Tech game, you look at the TCU game and you look at the first half of yeah, Oklahoma. They had two games where they didn't punt. Yeah. That was <laughs> it. And then the first, and the first half of the Oklahoma game, you basically yeah. didn't punt It was the either. first time in history where Texas didn't punt in two consecutive games. Yeah, yeah that was the Rice in Tech, Tech game. game. Yeah. Yeah. Even Sark said, that's strange. So, like, I've been on some good offenses. That didn't happen. No. What, you're, what you're talking about, Rod, kind of goes back to something, and, and I still haven't factored in uh, the starting quarterbacks for this year's college football playoff from the 2021 season. Yeah. But in the CFP era, so 2014 through 2020, there were 20 different quarterbacks that led their team to the college football playoff. And I think this just shows you you need elite quarterback play to win at the highest levels. Uh, of those 20, as recruits, 10 of the 20 were blue-chip recruits coming out of high school, 24-7 sports composite, four- and five-star guys. There's two ways to get elite quarterback talent. You either recruit it or you can develop it. Uh, To that point, of those 20 guys, you had five Heisman winners, Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow, uh, and Tua Tagovailoa was a national player of the Hmm. year. Of those 20 quarterbacks from 14 to to 2020 that led their team to the CFP, 10 half of those guys were first-round draft picks. Wow. You've got those guys that I just mentioned. Uh, your Jameis Winston, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence were all number one overall picks, and you had Mariota, Mac Jones, Deshaun Watson, uh, Justin Fields, and Tua Tagovailoa were first-round picks. What was um, the star rating of Mac Jones? See, that's so – this is where the trend gets bucked. There are three quarterbacks in the CFP era that have won That's national champ. What about champ- Joe Burrow too? Uh, Joe Burrow was a four star coming okay. out of high school. I know there, how they liked him. Yeah, there were so there were there have been three quarterbacks in the CFP era that have that ha- yeah that have won a national championship as three star prospects coming out of high school. Jake Coker at Alabama. <laughs> that makes sense. Mac Jones, who was, <laughs> was say, yeah, led yeah, one of the greatest Jones, offenses Mac we've Jones, ever who? seen, and then Stetson Bennett. 
So the theory is, if you're, if there you go, so, or you could even go back pre-playoff era, but Greg Greg McElroy, but like the idea that yeah. you have those that Alabama type of guys, yeah. yeah. I even that old school. I'm glad Alabama you brought model. that up, Matt. So I try to look in the BCS era, and granted, boy, internet yeah. internet recruiting rankings pre 2002 oh, are yeah, really tough. hard to find. It's rough. But I was looking at blue magazines. chip guys. You guys <laughs> yeah. have to forgive me. Got to call I, the hotline um, of Suzanne Halliburton, the yes. diva, and get some tips. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Bad fifty five. That was the old way. I old had school. It. Yeah. I only knew so, of Texas recruiting. <laughs> this is how kind of wonky it is. Uh, I'm just looking at what I could find just off some. And really, up Frank until. Frenzel? Well, hold on. Up until Vince Young, it's just kind of all over the place, right? So T. Martin, I couldn't find a star ranking for T. Martin, okay. but I believe he was a blue chip guy that Tennessee class. Tennessee, yeah, Tennessee was recruiting at a ridiculous time, yeah, level at that point. Uh, Chris Winkie came over from baseball, but was really highly recruited before he went and played baseball. Yeah, first round pick. Josh Heupel was a JUCO guy. Uh, Ken Dorsey was a th- was a, a Rivals.com three-star. I know. I knew he was a weak link on that team. So, on the Miami team. He was. So, mm-hmm. was. so was Craig Krenzel. Uh, Craig Krenzel was a was a was a rivals three star. Uh, Matt Mock was a Matt Mock the LSU USC split title. Matt Mock was a baseball guy. Uh, Matt Leinart was a five star guy, top hundred guy in the country, and that's kind of where it starts because you go Matt Leinart, Vince Young was Vince Young five star, Chris Leak five star, Matt Flynn four star, Tim Tebow five star. Uh, Greg McElroy really is the outlier because Cam Newton was a five star, AJ McCarron was a four star, Jameis Winston was a five star. So. Really, Matt, to your point, really since Matt the Matt run that started with Matt Liner, Greg mm, McElroy is the outlier. But again, you're talking about Alabama, right? We just mentioned Ken Dorsey was a three star, was part of led maybe the most talented college football team any of us will ever see in our lifetimes. What year you said? What year? Matt Liner was that? Oh two? Oh, what was that? Uh, Matt oh, Liner, the split the split title was oh three. Yeah. Oh three. Oh three. Okay. You know what happens around that time too? The spread takes over. Yep. Mm-hmm. Spread goes rampant across the it's proliferation I mean, of the spread. Got so that emphasized there. exactly. Honestly, yeah, you can give a lot of credit to Bob Stoops and Mike Leach and the Air Raid and the Big Twelve, of course. But yeah, because of the, the, the emphasis of the quarterback position with the proliferation of the spread, mm-hmm. and yeah. there you go. Uh, to your point, it's I'm just looking dynamic. at it changed uh, the whole dynamic for everybody. You know, your quarterbacks mm-hmm. that won national championships. Look at the offensive systems they were in. We know Greg Davis went to the zone read with Vince Young, mm-hmm. uh, Chris Leak, and then Tim Tebow. That's Urban Meyer with the. Yeah. Power spread, uh, Cam Newton. That's Gus Malzahn. Uh, you know, Jameis Winston. Maybe Jimbo's a pro style guy, Jimbo's but yeah, to your guy. point. But for the yeah. most part, it, that's what kind of took over and got the emphasis on QBs. Yeah, trickled up to the league too. Yeah. Um, so basically, tying it all together, you either have to recruit elite quarterback talent or you have to develop it. But you have to have elite like quarterback that. talent if you're. And I think if Texas is going to win right now, then yeah, Quinn Ewers does have to be elite because. There are some flaws. There are some elite pieces around him. Yeah, but we you talk, got a lot of deficiencies. Yeah, we talk about Bijan and we talk about Xavier Worthy. Mm-hmm. And we, last week we ran down why we're really excited about the potential of Isaiah Nayor and Jaleel Billingsley. But man, we're not gonna break down this position today. But Matt, to your point, you talk about two thousand nine, mm-hmm. and I would take that two thousand nine offensive line over what Texas has right now. Ooh. We got. We may be prisoner of the moment. We got to go back and look at that old line. That old line when Cole McCoy made that old line look good. He did. You yep. had Cole McCoy back there slinging. You had one of the. You had a transcendent quarterback slinging the rock too. That made it look really good. Yeah. And he could run. Maybe he could run, run. Yeah. As Dion would say he outran the A and M secondary. Well, and so that's a huge part. I think, I think you, had, you had a Casey Thompson and Hudson Card back there. That old line would look much different. Yeah, you remember that old line because you remember Cole McCoy slinging <laughs> to his bromance with Jordan Shipley and making it look easy. Yeah, and a lot of these quarterbacks that are <laughs> successful that now at least have functional mobility to be able to yeah. get away from it. Because you look at just recent years in the in the Super Bowl, like Mahomes running for his life, you know, last year, or you go and look at any of these guys that you went through the list of people that have won Super Bowls, almost all those guys, those top-tier recruits, are guys that are at least functional mobility, or you can be like somebody like Cam Newton where you're a total threat, where yours, yeah, we, we haven't seen him on the field Seems like more of a pocket guy, but has at least some type of hopeful 
functional mobility, but a lot of that yeah. is in your mind because a guy like yeah. Joe Burrow isn't insanely athletic. But I mean, go look at his rookie years. Like one of his first games, he's busting forty yard no, TD true. runs. His first year because LSU, he was running a lot more. Yeah. He let, Joe Brady came in. You, and that's the type of thing. Like people would look at Mahomes all year didn't run, but he can run if you need to to yeah. get away to where like that can negate a lot. If you can, Mahomes saves for the playoffs exactly, he, and he it's smart to do it at that level if you're going. Yeah. But like just the ability to identify and have that to get away to extend the play to get yeah. into and the Cole pocket. And Cole got the ball out so quick. So I'm not saying you're wrong. You could be yeah. right. But I'm saying I would like us to go back and watch it because Cole got the ball out so quick. Yeah. He, he was more mobile than Casey or Hudson Card. But like, Hudson yeah. Card's a wide receiver. I'm like, man, Cole McCoy out there looked like he was smoke Hudson Card. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I'm just letting you know. Just, I'm just going off the eye test. So to say, I think Cole McCoy, like I said, going back to quarterbacks, covers up a lot of flaws. Right. They're just really good, man. Yep. They're really yeah. good. Yeah, I, I think back to that 0-9 line. I don't want to go down too, no, for too deep of a rabbit hole, but you think about the games where they got overwhelmed. It was some great defensive lines. Like that Oklahoma defensive line, that's probably the Gerald last McCoy. great no, defensive right. line Bob Stoops no, had with Gerald point. McCoy. Uh, you you, you think point. about Nebraska. That's good. Oh, Sue. Sue. A guy that if I had a Heisman vote, that's where it would have gone. Yeah. I would have voted for Indomitian. No, they had like they had a bunch of NFL players on that D. No, you're right. Defense is in the big And unless we forget then. about Bama in the title game. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. That's a good point. Good point. I'm just saying, it was, you know. Well, but to your, no, but to your point, right? Garrett I mean, Gilbert against Gilbert, against Alabama when Garrett Gilbert came in there, I mean, there was there had to be an adjustment period because you couldn't just line up and and run the football nope. with that no. group. And there was a pocket. And I think that's that's what makes you know we go back and look at some of the football outsiders numbers for this offensive line and why they're in the top quarter, you know, the top ten in some categories nationally. Well, because they were really good. Like you think about some of the best games this offensive line had. When were they really good? Rice, they were awesome. Awesome. Texas Tech, they were awesome. Yeah. K-State, that offensive line played really well. They did play good in the K-State game because everybody knew what they were going to do. They were predictable, and yet they still were able to win the football. Uh, But then we talk about like the second – even the first half of the Oklahoma game, they were really good. But then we talk about Baylor and Oklahoma State and Iowa State. Oh, Arkansas. Yeah. Even West Virginia, Arkansas, yeah, against the, <laughs> against the, and some of those weren't elite defensive lines. They played no. some good defensive lines. Yeah, they weren't elite. They were just, yeah, just got out coached and out played. So I started, but I started thinking about the Quinn. Let me let me stop myself before we go down to Quinn Ewers Hudson card. Uh-oh. As we re-rat Casey Thompson's career at Texas, I'm of the opinion, Rod, just a line of thinking that Casey Thompson was a good quarterback, and maybe he proves me wrong in his time at Nebraska. We'll okay. see. He was just to me never going to get to that level where he was that elite to where he could mask deficiencies. I agree with that. Um, but that, that doesn't mean you can't win with him, but right. I agree with that. Yeah, It's just, look. Yeah, no, no, I'm with you. Just because you need an elite. Like I said, Joe Burrow elite, Colt McCoy elite play. So, yeah, they'll cover up the fact that the offensive line is mediocre. I heard I heard this in relation to uh, what your your boy Kyle Shanahan's dealing with this offseason about Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm, Jimmy like how how, is, how do you rate Jimmy G as a quarterback? And I heard somebody say this I was like he's somewhere on a spectrum between you can win Super Bowls with him and he's a bum. He's somewhere in between. <laughs> like he's not a bum, not but a you bum. can't win Super Bowls with him either. Yeah, no, well, I don't know what to make. Unless of Unless you have like either. the Trent Dilfer model, it, like you can have the most. It's that Alabama model, yeah. like, like he Casey can maybe Thompson. Be on one of those, but teams. he knows. Shannon knows that. That's why he's got Trey Lance. So right, they, they understand. That. Casey Thompson to me is like Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think you're winning a national championship with him, but he's not a bum. A functional. He's just yeah. somewhere, somewhere yeah. in between. And he can flash. He can flash elite play like he did at the at the Oklahoma in Oklahoma game yeah. the first half. If you put him in the right situations, right scheme, you know all that, all those things, right pieces around him with Bijan. Yeah, he can he can flash. There. That's why you have like this that wins above replacement in sports like baseball and football because like you want to measure how good you are against the next guy and. Casey Thompson and Jimmy G can be one of those guys that are good enough to be a starter and maybe a little bit marginally better than a replacement. But the diminished returns, it really isn't there. That it, is it worth paying this guy a yeah. starter salary? And it really does change that dynamic totally. to where, like, unless you are really clearly multiple wins above replacement, you know, you have a lot of other guys that are just in that group. Like the difference between the reason why Colt McCoy is a great backup, but not 
truly a starter because you have some type of either, you know, uh, a couple characteristics of your skill set that are just like diminished or your size or your arm strength or your decision making. Now, mm-hmm. a guy like Colt makes up for it because of his mind. Like basically if Colt, I thought, had Joe Burrow's body and arm, he'd be near a Joe Burrow aspect because he can execute everything and do everything and make those quick right decisions. It just doesn't necessarily have the body to do it. Jimmy G's the almost the inverse. Like you can tell maybe Maybe sometimes there's some buffering, but he does have sort of the skills that can get him to be looked at a little bit above that next group of guys because he has good enough of an arm, good enough of a size. You think he could be a quarterback, but then he maybe makes that bad decision or does the few things that he's just not good enough to ever get to that next level. But you're like in that quarterback 18 to 25 group. And to take it back to Texas, Matt, to, to back up your point, Take it back to Texas. If Sark thinks Casey Thompson is a guy you can go win big with, he doesn't go get Quinn Ewers out of the transfer portal. But there's a reason why he felt like the quarterback position needed to be upgraded. And Rada, I don't want to. I'm not bashing Casey. I'm just trying to kind of put in perspective where this quarterback position is right now. You always talk about, and we talked about Shane Bouchelle had this, Sam Ellinger had this, Colt definitely had it, Vy had it. What was Casey Thompson's X man ability? Like what's the what's one thing I thought, he I, I did? Think was, I think it that was, made him special. I think it was his film study. I think he was uh, one of those guys that really dug into f- watching the film, finding out the you know, kind of the tricks of the trade of the other team, their tails, their strengths, their weaknesses, their tendencies. He was big on that. There are a lot of stories about that. Now, some people say that's not really an X-Men ability. It is because not a lot of guys can go rabbit-holding like that and dig that deep. And those little fine details. Remember mm-hmm. um, X-Men telling the story that, uh, you know, the adjustment that he made for that 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 fade, that slide fade in the back of the end zone. I think it was against Okie State or something? Tech. Tech. Yeah, okay. this is against Tech, I believe. Um, that he said, now nah, that was him and Casey. They came up with that as they were watching film. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jordan Whittington talked about some of those sight adjustments that Casey would tell him, like, no, we're going to do this. Uh, though, I mean, hell, the, <laughs> the, the Kansas City Chiefs talked about on that game-winning drive against Buffalo mm-hmm. that he, he, him uh, and Kelsey, yeah, Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes, that they said, no, nah, we're not going to run the actual route. We're just going to run to the open space. So just throw it to the open the space. The final 13 That's seconds. That's where I'm going to run. Yeah. I mean, this is what, this is what great players, what football IQ is for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and great players could do that. What did my man Shannon say? Don't be a robot. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's it, Sark echoed the same thing. You don't want robots out there. You want football players. So I do think that was something that set him apart. That was something, when I say X-Man ability, it's something you do as well, if not better, than your peers. That's yeah. your X-Man ability. For him, I think it was his film say Sometimes it's intangible. Sometimes it's not necessarily something physical. Um, and for him, I think it was kind of some the intangibles. And you yeah. see that common thread there between all those guys, like uh, being a, somebody that uh, is the son of a quarterback, a guy like Casey Thompson, or we talk about yeah. the son of a coach in Colt McCoy or Bouchelle. His dad was a pro baseball player the same way Mahomes' dad was. Like if you were immersed in this type of mm. lifestyle to where like that's what you live and breathe, that maybe, yeah. you know, those type of things, you know, those skills come out more magnified whenever your focus is there for your entire life. So as I, I'm, I'm just kind of looking at Sam Ellinger's career in relation to, hmm. keep in mind, we say Quinn Ewers. I, well, Rod, let me ask you this real quick. Uh, does it have to be Quinn Ewers? Can Hudson Card go win this battle, or do you feel like nah, there's a reason Quinn Ewers is here and, and this is this is where this thing is headed? No, realistically, Steve Sarkeesian will call it for Quinn Ewers. I mean, we've seen this in right. just before, right? Yeah. Uh, how do you? What's the best indicator uh, in projecting human behavior? Just study past human behavior. <laughs> when Matt mm-hmm. Brown had a really top level elite quarterback in here, now one time he did let the competition play out, and that was with Cole McCoy and Jevin Sneed. Cole McCoy won the job, even though Jevin Sneed was the five star, you know, highly uh, touted quarterback. But with Chris Sims and Major, called it for Sims. With Vy and Chance, called it for for Vy. You know, most of the time the coaches are going to call it for the high-level quarterback because they know they give them a, a, a higher ceiling, yeah. a better chance to win. I think yeah. that showed, too, because for, oddly, like, he didn't do that at running back at the same time with a guy like Benson. It was like, but he knew almost the importance of a quarterback oh, yeah, position yeah. that, like, oh, wait, no, I can't say, yeah, this guy's a little younger. I'm not going to give him the job. This guy's skill set 
he gets it ahead. Yeah. I'll let you guys talk about Hudson Card, and my yeah. participation in this podcast will be abbreviated this week uh, just because wonky recording schedules. Um, but I'll say this about Quinn Ewers. Let's assume <laughs> Quinn Ewers is the guy, and I'm with you, Rod. You, you don't bring him in to – Kind of let it play, and it's weird. For, it's got to be weird for Hudson Card because the shoe's on the other foot now. Now you're the veteran trying to prove himself, and there's exactly the young right. guy that the staff is enamored with, and it's kind of weird how life comes at you fast. It did that. It does when you you play college football, you play quarterback yeah. at the power five level. It for sure does. Yep. But I was thinking about Quinn Ewers in relation to Sam Ellinger, and like Matt, I know you've talked a lot about this Colt McCoy's trajectory. Like when did people start believing in Colt? And I think about when when did I start to feel comfortable with Sam Ellinger as the starting quarterback for this football team, a lot of people are going to point to 2018 of the Oklahoma game. He had a great game. But to me, it was the game against West Virginia. That that run he had, think about it. They have the Oklahoma game. He plays the first drive against Baylor, injures his shoulder. Shane Bouchelle has to finish that game. They have the bye week. They come back. They go to Stillwater. And we don't know up until, like, what, maybe 72 hours out, how if Sam is going to start, if he's going to play, and how effective he's going to be. Yeah. And they go to Stillwater, they lose the game, but he's 22 of 42 for 283, two touchdowns, runs for 47 yards, and two more scores. But they come back the following week against West Virginia, goes 25 of 36, 354 yards, three touchdowns, through that beautiful bomb to Devin Duvernay mm-hmm. late in the game that probably should have been the game winner. Yep. Rushes for 47 yards and two scores. So... That to me is when I started to feel like, okay, Sam Ellinger's got it. There's no, there's no backslide right now. He's on the upward trajectory. I remember that, guys. That was Game 17 of Sam Ellinger's career. Some quarterbacks so, don't get that many opportunities, right? So just keep in mind when we talk about Quinn Ewers, that slow burn for quarterbacks. Some guys it clicks right away and it goes. That's true. Some guys it's going to take a minute, and I think with Quinn Ewers. That's the thing for me, Rod. When I look at this quarterback competition, how close is it really? And if Quinn Ewers struggles, does Sark feel the need to pull the plug and go to Hudson Card? In other words, it, does Sark have the patience to do the slow burn with Quinn Ewers? That I don't know. Yeah. Mm, that's going to be interesting. Yes. I, but I will say this. Quinn Ewers is supposed to be a prodigy, and prodigies – are supposed to be right. Their 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 level of achievement and their rate of development is supposed to be Trevor Lawrence and quick, yes. quicker. So that's yeah. if if that's if it's not, then maybe the prodigy thing isn't necessarily the Trevor key. Lawrence is the guy I think about right yeah. of, of recent quarterback prospects that we've seen come up. Like I mean, Kelly Bryant led Clemson to the college football playoff, and Dabo Swinney at some point. I remember early in that that eighteen season, no. Nah, we're, we're going to go ahead and go with Trevor. Kelly Bryant, you can transfer, do whatever. That doesn't, really, doesn't really matter. I got my guy. Yeah. There's still been times, though. I mean, you look at Mahomes' entire career at Texas Tech. Like, if you're a big-arm prodigy, you can be a top-end five-star and be that top prospect for the NFL and get there in the final run. But if you are surrounded by things that aren't nearly up to that elite level, you could lose some games and it not necessarily be fully upon you. Now, you expect – the, the guy that has that top-end talent to be able to overcome certain things and carry those things and elevate those players. But there are plenty of examples of good quarterbacks that also don't have great immediate starts, especially in college, because in college, I mean, you, you can't jump off a ship after one bad game in the way that the modern viewing of quarterback play, it's just so hyper-analyzed that if there is one bad game or something, you know, like that doesn't mean this guy's bad. It means that he has a growing pain, and sometimes you have to learn from those. That, But that's my thing. Does Sark, does, we, we, the court of public opinion is what it is. Mm-hmm. Does Sark have the patience to do the slow burn with Quinn Ewers? I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. I don't know anybody. I don't know and Nobody except Steve Sarkeesian knows the answer to that. Yep. That's true. It's going to take a patience on everybody's in Hudson Cards, too. Mm-hmm. Hudson Card going to have the patience to stick around. Yeah. Transfer can, rate for blue chip quarterbacks he, right now is nearly 70%. Well, does, and does, rising. Does Hudson, <laughs> because Hudson's down the same spot Casey was in last year. Does Hudson read the room and say, dude, this guy at the first sign of adversity, he's going to fold like a cheap suit. And, exactly. And it's going to be my ball again. Or does he look at the situation and go, I don't have that. I've got a chance. <laughs> coach has already decided he's the guy. Yeah. Is he is he Kelly Bryant or he says, man, if I don't play, I need to get I need to get yeah. out of here because I ain't getting in or front of he, this guy. Or is he Cole McCoy who looked around and went, yep. I got this guy. I'll beat yeah, him. I, I'm better than this guy. I'm going to yeah. beat him. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. That's going to be interesting. All right, brother. 
I know you got to get to work. Yes, got to go right. do some award-winning radio for a show that will never win any awards. <laughs> it's a great show, though. Love it. Light the Tower. Yeah, Make I saw sure Craig Wade dealing with the chaos of those tech fans. You know, oh, go get the report from him. That is something Well, we might have to get into a little bit, too. We usually don't talk a lot of hoops on the show, but that is going to be one of the most hostile environments that any Texas program has ever had to play in. Yes. Ever. 100%. I mean, right? I mean, think of... I'm talking about. I'm talking about even. I know the football team has played in some hostile atmosphere. That Arkansas game this year, that was pretty crazy. Obviously, it sh- it was show it show shocked the Longhorns. But I'm you going. went and played against A and M, which is like played sort A&M of the fervor. Like when I yeah. watched that video, but, and with Aggie, Aggies are classy. Yeah. I know we don't. want That's to talk funny. About I it. don't know that Aggies were cl- Aggies. Hell, the Sooners at yeah. the Texas OU game. I mean, the Aggies fit into that bit. SEC culture then so much the way that they See, all so love now each other. They may be a little bit different, but when I went there, my family would go hang out and they would go tailgate with the Aggies beforehand, and then we'd come in there. I mean, it wasn't. I don't think it Not was much the vitriol. hatred and vitriol that you have. Hell, probably that you have with the, the Arkansas fans and how much they hated Texas. But, like I said, the Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, Serena Williams' size butt is, yeah, now the SEC changes you. Yeah. The, and so now the Aggies, I will admit, on social media, on Twitter, as as keyboard gangsters, they're a little bit different. But I And, and I also think that the Texas Cold War – uh, Texas and Texas and them yeah. not being able to, you know, it's almost cathartic in a sense, them not being able to re- rele- have that release mm-hmm. <laughs> and relieve some of that tension that yeah. naturally exists between the two fan bases mm-hmm. in the same state to be able to relieve some of that tension with the football game. It's just built up more angst and vitriol over time. Yeah. And all you have is these Twitter wars and social media beefs between the two to settle things when really it should be settled on the damn field. And then we go, all right, until next year, mofo. And then is it. But now we got the Cold War going on, but it won't last for long because we're going to get it on with them in the SEC. But when I went to, to Aggieland, it, 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 was, it wasn't as, to me, I don't think it was as, as hostile as the Texas OU game was. And that was you yep. fans split 50-50. Yeah, and Texas OU, I guess, would probably be the one place where you see that type of venom yeah. between the two. Yeah, like cussing you out and yeah. giving you the finger. The Aggies would do that. The Aggies were just yelling and screaming. They were humping. That's in their, their tradition. They call it I, humping something, something like that. Something like that. Whatever. They're, they're just doing their tradition. Doing their thing. It's loud. It's intimidating. The stands are rocking, but it, they're, they don't hate you. I don't think that the hate wasn't in the air with the Aggies. And it was just their tradition, that, which was could overwhelm you. Right, it could be imposing, mm-hmm. but no, the, the the Oklahoma Sooners hate you. They they they're cussing you out. They're giving you the finger. It's, it it was just very different. I think Arkansas was probably more hatred. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, well, and since the with Tech, you know, and if you're listening on the horn, this is following the Tech basketball game. So we've already seen the environment <laughs> sure. we speak about. But just because that video Craig Way shared of the bus being oh, surrounded man. last night, you know, they probably didn't get good sleep at the hotels because like the locals are telling. <laughs> People in like I really think the 08 game with Crabtree really changed the dynamic between Tech and Texas because Tech. I remember I had friends that went to Tech, and every time that Texas would be like trailing to Tech, there was always like the Big Brother complex where it's like, ah, y'all got no shot. Colt and I remember (laughs) Colt coming from behind in 07, and it was like, even if y'all have a lead, there's no way we're gonna come back. But then it sort of changed in after 08, and when that Crabtree play happened, and I just remember watching that game on TV. And feeling that environment just seemed pretty crazy in 08. And from that point on, Tech has, at least their fans, have a little bit of confidence. And when that borders with Texas's downfall really across sports to where like now Tech fans realistically have that feeling like, hey, we can beat Texas and we really don't like you. And there's been decades of this pent up. And then now the whole Chris Beard element added just like a maniacal layer to it. Oh, yeah. And and, and the the fact that Texas is going to the SEC now, the entire Big 12 Mm -hmm. has ratcheted up the angst and vitriol against Texas in all the sports, which is cool. I mean, Texas needs to embrace the villainy. You know, either you die a hero or live long enough to become a villain. At this point, it is pretty obvious to everybody that Texas – is a villain. They mm-hmm. should embrace the villainy of it at this point. I will say that, um, you know, you start thinking about Texas Tech, and they've actually done a pretty good job there with 
coaching hires and stuff in some of their big sports. Um, they consider us to be a rival, but Texas doesn't consider Tech to be a rival. And that's, I'm, that, I'm not trying to be, be demeaning or no. degrading at Texas But Tech that adds to their fervor. Exactly. I was like, that's why, <laughs> probably why they're so frustrated. Yeah, I mean, they're that's really what a layer the Aggies had there. Yeah. Because yeah. there was well, always that Texas OU dynamic where we had another one. We had a better one yes. than, than the Aggies. And, but I will say this, me saying the Aggies didn't hate Texas, they did have that year where – uh, what it was in '99, where Major got food food oh, poisoning. Oh yeah, I remember. Well, some food poisoning, mm-hmm. and then there was some uh, some hijinks mm-hmm. happening at the hotel. Down I've heard there stories about Land. it. There was, yeah, there was some. I don't know. There was there was some hijinks, some weird stuff going on down there in Aggieland. So I will say that could happen down there in Lubbock. Oh yes, Strange. I would not put it past Lubbock in a second. Yeah. So they, I think we, I think Mac Brown changed up like where. They stayed when they went down in Aggieland after that. Yeah, because you always hear those stories all the way from, like, the the flu game with Utah and what Jordan says happened at the – because you hear about the opposing hotels. Or I always love the stories from the U whenever Oklahoma would go to Miami and then, like, it would oh, be man. people at the front desk or the locals and they know people on the team and they let them know who's there. And that's sort of – when you live in a smaller town or a college town like Lubbock – those connections were like College Station. You really quickly that news gets around town real yeah. fast. Yeah, so saying that's it's folklore at this point. We don't really know. Got to ask Major about. But they it, add but, to the theater. Yeah, go said. But it did affect him to the point where obviously it he couldn't play in the game. Yeah, because of that. All right. Anyway, that's enough talk about that. Let's get back to the quarterback conversation because it is an interesting one. I'll say this about Hudson Carr situation because we just talked about Major. <laughs> Speaking of, I was yes. on the Forty Acres probably doing the most infamous quarterback. Competition in and definitely in Texas history. Him, we college about football. one of the best in college football history. It I really can't was. think of one. It, it really was, man. It was it was wild times back then. And you know, one of the things that was interesting coming in was that you know, my man Sims came from a professional household, right? Mm-hmm. Phil Sims was a Super Bowl MVP, so he came in, you know, with the mindset of organizing workouts, understanding. You know, that that leadership presence, the natural leadership position and all of those things. And then you had a veteran in major who was the mm-hmm. veteran quarterback, which usually the veteran quarterback has that responsibility. Like, no, I'm organizing the workouts uh, in the offseason. Mm-hmm. No, no, throwing sessions. That's me. I got the keys to the practice fields. The things Colt McCoy did in his yeah. battle with and Kevin I, Steen. And now I, I don't know how it works. So all the quarterbacks may have access to that kind of stuff now. <clears throat> um, but right now, Hudson Card, he is that veteran quarterback. Mm-hmm. So... Already he, has relationships, not already the new has relationships. guy to town. He knows the the players. He's got everybody's you know information. He 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 knows the offense. He knows the playbook. He's more comfortable there. So he's probably the one that's organizing a lot of the offseason activities for the guys. And this is a good chance for Hudson Card because I hear that he's stepping up for him to assert himself in that leadership role. Remember, one of the big yeah. concerns last year was that he did not necessarily embrace being a vocal leader not that he wasn't a great leader but vocal leadership unfortunately is a part of the job you yeah. got remember they remember the uh, the Arkansas game mm-hmm. and the looks on the sideline him just kind of being to himself and obviously trying to figure things out offensively and him making his own adjustments but yes there needs to be a motivator role with you as a quarterback you do have to go inspire yeah. your teammates i know it sounds a little cheesy but that was a quality that major exuded that was major exactly. was one of those exactly well, and one of those when guys. you look at that dynamic you like know, he, uh, yeah. sims, sims and yours fit that but when you look just from the outside mm. fan looking in at the situation you have the incumbent guy with the relationship with the team already there just a one-year advantage of being yeah. there to the hot shot five-star you know poster boy very, for a quarterback it's, it's coming very in. different though because these quarterbacks underachieve the ones that were here yes right major did not underachieve exactly major overachieved no you're right about so that. major was coming in as no yeah, no yeah. i'm big blank swinging because i overachieved what are you yeah. talking about man this is my he job. was confident hudson card that ain't his job his, his leading receiver hell put out his changed his twitter profile pick yeah, to, to queen yours at one point so it's very different dynamic in terms of the locker room Remember, yep. Major was coming off. I mean, not, nothing against Major. I love Major. Uh, but when, hell, when we got here, there were still rumors about Major and what he had did with Ricky Williams' girlfriend. 
All right, think about it. We were fresh off of that. <laughs> then Ricky, Ricky admits, like, the reason he started smoking was because Major was banging his woman at the time, and the coaches had to deal with that dynamic in the locker room. We, the number one class, walked into that. Yes. And then and the old and the vets had no clue. Had no clue. And the vets were like, yeah, that's, yeah, Major did that. And we're like, whoa, this is right. So a lot of dynamic was like, oh, no, man, Major, that's not good for a locker room. And Sims was more of a locker room guy because of that. People don't think about that, but he's like, now y'all know that. Now that's public knowledge. But think about young guys walking in on that in the locker room, and we're like, well, I'm man, outside with the teammate that's not banging that. the girlfriend of the Heisman Trophy winning running back. Uh, <laughs> you're in the that same backfield. That would be backfield. so weird if Carmen and Bijan had right? Back. It's like you're in the same backfield. We don't need to be, you know, shouldn't be Eskimo buddies. Yes. <laughs> but uh, Eskimo brothers, I think it is. But anyway, but my point is, it's it, I don't know, it was it was a lot of weird. It was a different dynamic overall that people just didn't know about. For sure. Uh, and I think for Hudson Card, this is a good chance for him to get some street cred with the locker room. I don't know how he's doing in workout and throwing sessions, but the fact that he can organize them. Hell, man, he should be trying to make sure he's organizing more than Quinn Ewers into Quinn Ewers because that's when you find out if Quinn Ewers is the real deal. Quinn Ewers wants to match you mm-hmm. and say, you like, now nah, I want to get as many throwing sessions as I can with as many receivers as I can. Maybe I can't do all of them at one time, so maybe I got to do two or three per session. So I'm trying to do two or three of those a day. And Quinn Ewers is like, hey, man, I want to be a part of those. You got to let him be a part of because yes. that's just you're, you're a leader. You're, you're a team and you're a leader. But if he doesn't want to be a part, he'll be like, hey, man, I want to be a part of the morning in the morning and I'm not coming to the one in the evening. Like, all right. <laughs> that's Get what Cole was, so Cole was doing. Like, all right, cool. But don't, just so you know, I'm 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 getting chemistry with my wide receivers yes. while you're doing whatever you're doing. I know you got to go to the club. You got happy hour. That's all good. And you only be part of one throwing session. I'm going to be a part of all three. And, you know what I mean? So it's, it, it's a mindset thing. It's almost you're pushing – you're pushing your teammates to be yep. better, but also, hey, I'm separating. If you don't, if you're not alone for the ride, I'm separating. And those are the stories you tell about you being yeah. on the practice field and going up oh, against yeah. the receivers and how you know, like yeah. that was the most important time of your development. Oh, nasty Nate wouldn't. Dude, nasty Nate was like, I'm coming. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, right. hey, nasty. I'm gonna go watch some film, man. Uh, oh, I'm coming. I'm coming. Like, yep. Couldn't get rid of Nasty Nate. Oh, listen to the I Tom come in Brady there, Nasty Nate be watching film before me. I'm like, damn it, Nasty Nate's watching film before me. He had that mindset, and I knew I was like, all right, this is it. He's gonna be a guy. He's gonna see the field. Yeah, he's gonna. He's got the skill, and now he's got the competitive sickness, and he's got the work ethic. He's gonna see the field. Now I gotta match it, or I gotta beat it, mm-hmm. and it's gonna make me better. And that's when you get to the point where you are you're an elite room, an elite. You know, position room, whatever it may be. When you got guys who can play at a new level, but also have that mindset that uh, nobody's going to outwork me. Nobody's going to outwork me. Nobody. Yep. It's Nobody. fitting. It's, I look at the TV and see the retirement news about Tom Brady. Tom Brady's the embodiment. He is exactly. Like, he, he went <laughs> He's through. That guy. There were like 20 <laughs> different backups to him in yep. New England constantly. Yeah. And it was always the same story that it was him always continuing to push that type of mentality that he wasn't going to let some new young guy come and take his job. And it was like always there forever sustaining him. No, that's a great point to bring up. I know we're talking about Tom Brady, but hell, it's, a, it's football. So Tom Brady, yeah, he's, a, he's a goat. Um, but something I think that, you know, Bill Belichick noticed about Tom Brady, and you got to give Bill Belichick some credit because I think Tom Brady's one of those guys like Michael Jordan that has that competitive sickness. Full circle and, and I call it a competitive sins. sickness. Uh, yeah, yeah, I call it a competitive sickness because it's a gift and a curse, mm-hmm. right? You, you ask Kobe Bryant, you know, the late Kobe Bryant about it. He used to always say that, you know, I, I can't be a great friend because mm-hmm. there's not enough time in a day. And I'm 18 to 12 hours of those days. I'm either working out. I'm hanging out with my family, so I'm not a great friend. He said, I "I try to be a great teammate, but I am when it comes to, if you want to come work out with me, I'm a great teammate. But I'm not going to go out with you to go to the club and go watch movies and stuff like this. I'm not necessarily a great teammate. I'm paraphrasing what Kobe said, but but I'm a great teammate from the standpoint of, if you want to come work out with me, you want to come watch film with me, then, oh, you think I'm an awesome teammate because you can spend 12 hours with me and we can just work out together and get better together and go take shots together and, 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 and shoot hoops together, constantly trying to get better. But if you want, if your definition of me being a great teammate is to be your friend while we hang out uh, and sit on the couch and play video games and watch movies and drink, and he said, that's, I can't do that. There's and that's why better. him and Shaq, 
the competitive sickness in Kobe wouldn't allow him to be a great teammate with Shaq. Because yeah. teammate, because he's like, Shaq, you're going to work out? And Shaq's like, no, I'm going to go and work out. Now, to Shaq's, uh, to, you know, Shaq's mindset. He's a unique animal. Yeah, yeah, because Shaq, <laughs> Shaq's like, dude, I'm a, I'm a 300-something pound, seven-foot human being. I everybody But he's also like, I can't work out yeah. 18 hours. I can't work out like you. Yeah. I, my, my body, body would break down. Yeah. I I have to actually take it easy. Relief. I have to, yeah, I have to kind of ration, right, my work ethic to a certain extent. I've heard Shaq talk about this. How Shaq could be yeah. BSing, but I will say we all know big men always end up with yeah. feet issues and lower body issues. It's just because human beings that big moving that much, there is look Shaq, at Zion's feet problem right now because uh, his sheer force from landing all the yeah. time, like they so, can't stay healthy. And to your yeah. point on Kobe, it's so spot on. Because I remember back to everybody watching that All-Star game with LeBron, and he had the same type of thing you're talking about mm-hmm. where he's like, well, you know, I can't be friends. We got we can work out together. And he loved the younger generation, was trying to make them better yeah. by, in the All-Star game, maniacally defending harder than he defended even during the regular season mm-hmm. and trying to humiliate LeBron because he wanted him to know in yeah. LeBron's mind, he's like, no, <laughs> I still can play with you and I want to get the best out of you and he yep. talked about that before he passed away it was like one of the he last did. all-star game things in that dynamic there and he was like the bigger brother or the fatherly aspect of That's it exactly that right he's trying to teach him how to work and he's like i don't care this is an all-star game it's supposed to be for fun yeah, yeah. yeah like, this is fun for me i'm yeah. d up on that's you. exactly score on me that's exactly kobe's like no that's fun for me like yeah. me working out for 10 hours a day that that's to me that's fun because i'm thinking about how much better i'm getting you mm-hmm. got to be maniacal and you got to have you know, i remember lebron's face in that all-star game he's like this dude's crazy he, and everybody and everybody in the league knew like no kobe kobe's a beast kobe's yeah. a freak nothing nobody outworks kobe Bryant. and tom brady has a lot of that in him too part of his tb12 that nobody's gonna outwork tb12 he has the competitive sickness and his was instilled way back in michigan right he was a drew henson mm-hmm. right yeah, so give came over from the yankees yeah, so give lloyd carr a lot of credit for for really cultivating the competitive sickness in tom brady because he tom brady never in his life felt comfortable in his starting quarterback job yep. and he goes all the way back to college and he being drafted into the sixth round and then belichick who i think Bledsoe, is a, belichick i think timer. is a psychological genius he recognized that early on his time at michigan and say all right now that we got this guy tom brady I'll always draft a quarterback behind him. Even after mm-hmm. he won his first Super Bowl, Belichick drafted 10 quarterbacks over those 20 years mm-hmm. where Tom Brady was his starting quarterback. 10 of them. He drafted most of them higher than he drafted Tom Brady yeah, in the Ryan sixth Madden. round. So bringing in even guys from your yeah. Apple Yeah, and he kept drafting those guys because he always thought if I keep a quarterback behind Tom Brady psychologically, it is going to keep him motivated. Uh-huh. He's got the competitive sickness because he never feels safe. He always feels insecure. Always feels insecure. Jim, to, to get a guy, Jimmy Garoppolo, he felt insecure about his job to the point where he went to Robert Kraft and made them trade Jimmy Garoppolo. Now yep. get this guy out of here. I don't like him here because he never felt safe in his job. And I think that was probably the only time where genuinely – and I don't know why he felt threatened by Jimmy Garoppolo. Now looking yeah, back, he, that was the guy you're worried about, Tom Brady. But anyway, I think genuinely he knew that the, the that Jimmy Garoppolo was at least performing at a high high level enough where the leadership and Belichick would be willing to move on from a 20 year career of Tom Brady to hand it over to Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. Turns out that's not what happened. Traded Jimmy Garoppolo. We all know the rest of the story. He had a Garrett Gilbert behind him. He had a major yeah. Applewhite at one point on the yeah. roster. It's amazing thinking back. To the backup quarterback aspect. Cliff Kingsbury? Yep. You brought up, uh, you know, just all the way back to the Sims time in Sims and Applewhite. Well, you know, Belichick was on Belichick that staff yeah, did. with Phil Sims. And then whenever that ended up being Jeff Hostentler, the backup quarterback, right. having to go on and carry that team into the playoffs and or into the Super Bowl, and you have Sims being able to win it. But just that importance of having that backup that can sort of just continue to foster that competitive environment between the two. And you never, I mean, you see it across all platforms. Mm-hmm. It's what you hear in all types of trades, the people at the top of their business, they go do every single game or they go and work that hard because they don't want to give that next guy the opportunity. Exactly. Even if like you were, because once you get comfortable in that spot that you're like, Oh, I'm comfortable where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And then that's when that one second that you give over that one gig and then the next guy, you're afraid he's going to take it for life, so you never give him that opportunity. Yeah, hey, that's a good point because, and you brought up how you know 
basically Brady saw Bledsoe lose his job, and he's thinking to himself, one day, yeah. that's going to be me. Yeah. <laughs> right? And Belichick's going to let him do life. it. Yeah, Belichick's the guy to do it. No, and that's why Belichick never showed Tom Brady a lot of love. Remember, toward the end, it was about Tom Brady wanting to feel appreciated. His wife kept talking about Tom doesn't feel appreciated. He just wants to love. <laughs> so, honestly, Tom Brady's the one, actually, that changed in their relationship. It wasn't Belichick. Belichick was always unloving, didn't really show a lot of, you know, he wasn't, he he wasn't was the a emperor public, of the dark He wasn't side. a PDA, right? He's a public yeah. displays of affection kind of guy. Uh, but Tom Brady wanted more of that as he became the GOAT. Early on, Tom Brady wanted to <clears throat> earn that. Yes. And he was willing to earn it. But 20 years into his career, Tom Brady thought he earned it. Yeah, He's like, hey, now Super I want Bowls. the love. Now I want you to, yeah, now I want you at, you know, to, to treat me special. Yeah. Now I want you to treat me differently in the locker room because I am different. And I'm Bill's Tom like, Brady. you don't know how I made and you Tom Brady, great? Yeah, he's like, you're the Patriot way. No one man is above the Patriot way. That's just the way it is. And that's when they came to you know, came to blows, not yeah. blows, but yeah, they 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 clashed. Yes. I should say exactly. Yeah, they it would be uh, amazing if they came to blows, like it literally no, was the emperor of the dark side and Luke Skywalker. I didn't mean. I mean oh. figurative blows. There you go. Uh, all right, let's get back to Texas quarterback situation too. I will say that that for, for Hudson Card, it is it's going to be if he's going to try to win this competition. It's going to be imperative. It's going to be really important for him to win over the locker room. Because yeah. he's, in, in my opinion right now, he's not going to win over Sark. Remember, the way Colt McCoy won that job is he won the locker room first. It was the players mm-hmm. that went to Coach Brown and said, no, Colt McCoy's the starting quarterback. Yeah, he got and it. Coach Brown said too, so many guys kept telling him that. Yeah, yeah. So him guys telling him, yeah, it's it's Cole McCoy, and he's like, okay. And then, of course, it matched up with the eye test. He outperformed Jevin Sneed. Uh, so yes, Hudson Card's got to outperform uh, Quinn Ewers, but he's got to be more than that. He's got to win that locker room. I always say it's kind of like an election. Yeah, you got a quarterback competition. It's kind of like an election. You got to win that locker room. I would say the Sims Applewhite locker room was was pretty split because you know a lot of guys were riding with Applewhite. A lot of guys wanted to ride with Sims. Um, for different reasons, and that's not what you want. You'd want unanimity if possible. Yeah, because it wasn't as clear-cut as, say, how it, it sounds like it was with Colt. But even mm. with Colt, we have to always remember, it took two years before it got to that point that we're like, oh, Colt McCoy's this transcendent-type quarterback that can lead us to a championship. Fans didn't think that 06. 07 was a struggle, and you had the big hype train around John Childs after Sneed was gone. And then in 08, once 08 began to happen, it wasn't until really the 08 OU game mm-hmm. that I think fans really bought in that this is right. our guy. And at that, and we're talking about two and a half years. That timetable, yours is already in the league. He's going to be gone, you yeah. know, like that. So That's it's just point. the modern way we view quarterbacks, and the we have to understand that the development it it can have hiccups, and you can have a great quarterback that doesn't perform great. It's just the time you have to f- do that on the front end so much quicker these days. Yeah, no, I totally agree. But the the pieces are in place, right? It'd be hard for me to believe. Oh, true. If you want me just to give you my black shirt, almost prediction. I I truly believe that the competition will be called for Quinn Ewers. Uh, I, I, I'm not saying he's not going to win it, but I think that Sark will call it early for Quinn Ewers. I don't mm-hmm. know if he's going to do it during the spring. I think he'll get. I think he'll do it during. Give him the a fair camp. shot in the fall. Yeah, I, well, I think he's trying to keep Hudson Card invested too. Yeah, right? keep him committed as long as possible. The keep way him, he did sort of last year. It's kind of how he did last year, but I do think he wants to avoid uh, any confusion and uncertainty, so he will call it earlier in training camp for Quinn Ewers. I, don't, I mean, I don't know what. It's a month, so maybe two weeks in. So you get mm-hmm. two weeks of game prep before your first game or your first week of the season. So I think it'll be around there. I, I do think at one point Hudson Card is going to transfer. I mean, the transfer rate for blue chip quarterbacks now is 68%. Yeah, and it would and be it smart. Is climbing. The way you said it right there, <laughs> it's only straight now. And it isn't even out of ill will, but it's smart for Sark to want to – Hang that carrot there for a card to get the opportunity. So he also has a competent backup through this season. And 
that's a valuable aspect that you need to have. And you even get your four games that you can redshirt and get the year back for a guy that's wanting to transfer who has that free year to transfer. So in theory, you know, you could have that play out the way you want to have card play in a few games. And if yours is just sort ahead, that transfer portal could happen. But the value of having a backup quarterback, especially if you have top end, you know, skill guys like Bijan worthy and what looks to be with Nayer, like, that's something that can really win football games, I think, and Texas can contend next season as long as you're competent on the defensive end and on the offensive line. So having a backup quarterback is going to be a big deal because no, if you be- have one guy go down, you still have a chance maybe to win some games with the pieces you have around. No, no I totally agree. You definitely need a viable backup. That's why it's tough to keep one. Yeah, these days or get one to transfer in. If it, if it's going to be quick and you have a feeling card's going to leave, you still have time to go get another one. I. You, I think you always got to be stockpiling quarterbacks because the truth is whatever blue-chip quarterback is on your roster that is not playing is thinking about leaving. Yeah. <laughs> that's and just will be that forever. The one, that's, that's and understandably the way it's be. so. That, that's the way it's going to be now until maybe there's but right to the end of time because transfer portal and being able to transfer without penalty at least one time, I think that's just the reality of the new world that we live in. Um, all right, so one thing else, I know because we're getting close to the end here, one other thing that I want to talk about with the quarterback position too uh, I do think I'm not gonna say whoever ends up winning the job. I think Quinn Ewers is gonna win the job. Mm-hmm. I don't see how you're unsuccessful. Is that the best way to say it? With a with, with the backfield they have with Bijan Robinson and Rojo, with X Man who's a freshman All American. Yep. We now we know he's gonna, only gonna get better because I think Brennan Marion. Mm-hmm. You know I'm a big fan. You're a big fan. I think that was a home run hire. Sark uh, funnels usage to the top guys. Sark funnels usage to the top guys. Isaiah Nair, who's now been added, and if you haven't watched film on him, I mean he is he's, he runs some really precise routes. I I love the way he gets out of breaks and creates separation. I don't know. I, I think that's a I think that's a huge upgrade yeah. at wide receiver. And his ability to win contested balls in the air, like point. he high points yeah. balls. You look at his contested catch rates, like over sixty percent. Yeah, what which is he is like, crazy? Just he was crazy. fifteen for twenty five last year. It's freaky. Yeah. And he's a deep threat because he's averaging like what 20, twenty per twenty what twenty something 20 yards point, catch. It was twenty per uh, reception, seventeen point seven a dot. Yeah, and man. then to have. A good average four point six yards after the catch too, and then that contested catch rate. And like, I don't like player comparisons, but like the reason why I brought up Gabe Davis oh, yeah, did, was yeah. strictly because when you look at the numbers on paper, very few receivers ever fit that type of subgroup. And he was a guy that was most comparable in college because rarely do you have somebody that's targeted that deep and is able to get those type of returns, but also catch the ball that many times whenever covered well. Yeah. No, no, I mean, I, I, yeah, no, those numbers blew me away. You gave them last week. Uh, so I, I think you just got upgrades with the weaponry across the board. Uh, tight end, I guess, if you like Billingsley uh, enough, you can consider that an upgrade too. So it's almost like wh- there's so many weapons. Here's my question to you, at th- th- Basically, if you combine the numbers of Hudson Card and Casey Thompson from this season, mm-hmm. Shouldn't Quinn Ewers have better numbers next year than those guys? Yeah, if you just Combined. give him the same amount of starts. He should have those more combined. touchdowns and less for interceptions. Sure, because we saw a diminished right? version of Casey for the last half of the okay. season, and you're saying he's going to have more developed and better skill guys. So, yeah, it should right? easily be there. Okay, so I'm not – yeah, to me, I was like, is that a realistic expectation to say he should have more touchdowns, less interceptions – and better overall stats and metrics across the board. Because I don't board. think the – well, Texas does play Alabama and UTSA in the non-conference. Hey, that, so, so just saying, like, because the opponents sometimes do dictate numbers, just well, sheer numbers. Are you going to have a worse game than you had against Arkansas? No. If you have a worse game than you had against Arkansas against Bama, well, we got a problem. No, you're right about we got, that. Because that was a horrific, horrible performance. You're right about so that. So we got a problem. So don't let that happen. I don't give a damn who you play. Yeah. That's good. That was terrible. Yeah, terrible. 100%. So that's okay. a, and that's a at benefit home that Texas has. Yeah. And UTSA, that's tough. But hell, man, I mean, you play. Oh, they Rice. give up numbers. They give up huge right. and numbers. And Louisiana, too. Louisiana was a decent team. No, you're right about that. that so, yeah. yeah, Texas should easily have it because I don't see the Big 12. Defenses being that much better oh, than they were. Oh, they're definitely not. Because you lost Jim. You lost uh, Jim. But uh, what's his name? Jim Knowles. Knowles, yes. At uh, Oklahoma State. And then yeah, he went DC. Went to uh, Georgia, he, right? He, 
Oklahoma. He went to Ohio State. Okay, Ohio State. Yeah, yeah. yeah brain fart. Yeah, he went to Ohio State. Yeah, um, when you have Ohio State coming to the Big 12 to take D coordinators, yeah. you know that there's defense being played in the Big 12. And Iowa State lost a lot of guys. And there's even rumors that John Heacock may be being approached by like Notre Dame. I've heard that a couple of times. But yep, and schools like K-State may not have as good of a defense next yeah. year, just losing players and stuff. So, yeah. No, just looking at the numbers, they should easily be, be better than those combined I hope numbers. so. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, I guess we can end it there. We'll come back next week, get deeper into some of those uh, those conversations about roster moves, also about National Signing Day. It is National Signing Day, right? Coming yeah, up this tomorrow. Week. It's tomorrow. So we'll get into that next week. I'm sure my man Jeff Howe have a lot of news, notes, and nuggets uh, about this uh, recruiting class for Steve Sarkeesian. And also, of course, we'll go behind the burnt orange curtain and talk more Texas football, see if there are any announcements. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And uh, we'll probably have a Texas Texas Tech basketball discussion, just a small one, on next week's show. Anything else? Oh, that's it, man. All right, brother. Uh, we'll end it there. Thanks, Matt, for all of your efforts, brother. We appreciate it. I want to say thanks to my man Jeff Howe as well. Had to duck out a little bit early. Uh, my man Jeff Howe, we appreciate his efforts. And the, all the folks over at Horns 24-7 and all you folks out there listening for your support and the folks here at the Austin Radio Network. Uh, join us next week for another edition of the Longhorn Blitz podcast. Uh, for myself, Rod Babers, I love you guys. I mean that. Peace. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24 Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com. Everyone is talking about if. I'm going to go to Lynn Human. I like it. I love it. It's original and heartfelt. Ta-da! And the must-see comedy of the summer <laughs> that's perfect for the whole family. This is just so exciting. If. Ready PG. Now playing in theaters.